Hello, everyone. Uh, good afternoon and welcome to episode 35 of Restore Freedom Weekly. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and this is my, I was going to think of something smart ass to say, uh, constitutional sidekick, I guess. We got to think of something else that I can tell you. <laughs> um, the, uh, the woman behind the curtain, uh, like in The Wizard of Oz, she makes all things happen. Um, but uh, at any rate, uh, we welcome you today, and uh, Lori, are you, uh, would you mind sending a very brief reminder to uh, the third um, wheel to this uh, vehicle here? <laughs> I know he has a link. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let me go to the right screen so I can make sure I can see comments when you guys um, decide to uh, jump in and comment today. Uh, all right. So again, for those of you just tuning in, uh, welcome to this week's uh, episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. We are in week 35, if you can believe it or not. And of course, that's on top of the last two solid years of doing hundreds of educational videos uh, talking about the Constitution and the law and the limits on government and what we the people need to do to take back our country and our lives. Um, Hello on Facebook. Uh, we have some people commenting already. All right. So with all of that being said, um, and hi uh, from Barbara on Facebook as well. Um, okay. So here we go. Uh, today's episode, we are talking about prosecutor duties regarding faulty state lab results. And um, I cannot believe I thought we had the the image I wanted to show today that's um, it's not here because it was in the post well for those of you who saw uh, the post yesterday talking about uh, today's episode there was um, there was an email that was sent out and I'm just gonna pull it up on my phone so I can read it word for word because it is um, pretty short so <clears throat> And this is from a um, prosecuting attorney in Michigan. Uh, and the date was, I believe, Friday. Let me just double check. Yes, the date was Friday that this was sent out. And it says <clears throat> to the defense bar and judges. This is regarding the MSP blood toxicology results for marijuana. Please be advised that I was notified on August 25th, 2022, that the Michigan State Police Crime Lab is having an issue with the toxicology screen for marijuana blood tests. Specifically, we were informed that the test currently used by the Michigan State Police Lab is unable to distinguish between THC and CBD. We expect to receive more information on this issue within the next few weeks. Now, <clears throat> that is, in my mind, very concerning. And uh, I received that being on a listserv where that prosecuting attorney sent that out. <clears throat> and I got that and I thought about it. And I, my, my instinct was to scream out loud, oh my gosh, uh, you know, this needs to be shared to everyone. I'll tell you why in a minute. But then I kind of had a check on myself and I'm like, well, maybe not. Maybe this would not be <clears throat> the, um, you know, appropriate thing to share. So I sent a message to another attorney who loves the Constitution and he um, he has actually been a law enforcement officer, but he's also, uh, among other things, a criminal defense attorney. So I thought of all people, I'm going to send this to him and I'm going to see what he has to say. And I said, hey, any reason why I shouldn't share this publicly? And he had a valid concern. Um, but and it really got me thinking. But the more I thought about it, the more it nagged me. And I finally had a chance on Friday to show it to Mike after dinner. And I think about the same time showed it to Lori. And uh, really, I'm I, Mike's response, um, it's too bad he's not here because 
I wanted him he, to He did answer. He said he can't come on, but he is watching. Well, he's still in trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and at any rate, his response was, well, yeah, that needs to be shared. Yeah, people need to know. And I agreed. And and the way he kind of described, and he only took like two sentences to say it, but the way he said it and with such sureness and confidence, I thought that's that's what I was initially thinking. So let me tell you why. Okay, so we're gonna go back to, um, oh, again, the letter that I thought I had in this uh, presentation that I did not, but it's in the post that I made yesterday so you could see it for yourselves. But it cannot tell the difference between CBD and THC. Let's think about that for a minute. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to think way back because I'm getting a little bit older now and I have three kids that are in college age years. So, uh, but in my own college years, I don't think I even tried once to smoke pot. I don't think I tried any, uh, never intentionally tried any of the magic brownies or anything like that. But I can tell you that for the last several years with my uh, back condition, with my arthritis, degenerative disc disease, all the fun things that I have, back pain and constant foot pain, uh, joints, I'm not even that old. My husband, though, he's always going to be almost a decade older than me. So, <laughs> uh, but in, in all reality, though, I've, I've had uh, those kinds of pain issues that I'm always looking for something more natural. I'm not going to want to sit there and, you know, pop a bunch of um, pills every day. So I tried CBD and among other things, adding the CBD uh, to my regular diet, if you will, has helped greatly with uh, pain and that kind of thing. So, and I made sure, because I'm paranoid about this kind of thing, I made sure that the products I was getting had nothing to do with, you know, what THC can do, for, you know, what that does for you. Um, that it wouldn't have any mind altering kind of properties to it because I'm a mom, I'm a licensed attorney, I own my own practice, I drive often, I, you know, you name it. I was working in an elementary school doing restorative justice for uh, several years up until COVID. So, you know, I didn't want to be under the influence of any kind of mind altering substances. So I'm assuming all of you watching this probably know that uh, I, the vast majority of CBD products out there have nothing to do with a mind altering substance type of format. So it, they're there for their other properties. And um, so I don't know about, and that's me, and I don't know about you. I mean, we have some people commenting now. Um, by the way, hi, Joe on YouTube and the Liberty Cause. Um, only slightly, Stacy. Not sure about that. Uh, why you're only slightly, Stacy? You should go ahead and be the full Stacy. But uh, hello to somebody that's down here in Florida as well. And um, we have Dragonfly One on YouTube. Hello as well. So just curious, out of all of you that are watching on the various platforms live, uh, can you comment uh, and just say, I have tried CBD or whatever. If you use currently use any kind of CBD products or if you've ever tried them or if you're even interested in using CBD products to help your general wealth, um, not wealth, general health, uh, <clears throat> not talking about, again, the mind altering substances like the special brownies or things like that. But at any rate, now, now the Liberty Cause, listen here, we're, that's the totally different conversation. I'm just curious about how many people. Oh, and look at We the People FOIA. I love that. Uh, I'm not sure if I know who you are in real life, but if I don't, can you? I do. Oh, do, do I then? Yeah, yeah oh. I talk to him. <laughs> okay. Is that somebody in Michigan? I actually was talking to him today. <laughs> oh, did you freeze? Oh, you did freeze for me. 
I did freeze for a second. Is that somebody in Michigan, Lori? Yep. Yep. Okay. Southwest well, Michigan, not not in Grand Rapids. But. I'm going to talk to Lori about that because I love that, um, and it piqued my curiosity. Anyway, so anybody, um, yes, okay. Slightly, Stacy has used them at least slightly for the identical reasons as me. <laughs> Kim, uh, this is a strange connection today because that's twice that people have had comments that actually show nothing uh, through Let me our see if I can find it. The Liberty Cause, uh, he does not, but his better half does. Better half she is. I've only <laughs> gotten to know her, but I really like her. And um, anyway, yep. Okay, so Terry on Facebook talking about uh, her mother using the cbd oils and pain cream exactly so okay so oh, this you is know what those uh blank things are they're sending what? us stars on facebook that's why it's blank on so they oh. they just sent us some stars i didn't know that was a thing i'm really i i facebook don't understand stars. social media so <laughs> i'm thank you guys to the law and the constitution but thank you and from now on, if I see something blank, I'll say, hey, if that was that fancy thing on Facebook, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like I, a super chat in YouTube. Okay. I still don't totally understand the super chat in YouTube. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> so, all right, guys. The reason why I ask you that is because we have people that I'm assuming, based on the answers on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, who we might have on Rumble and, and other platforms now watching, you know, we have soccer moms. We have 84-year-old grandmothers we have businessmen who are, you know, just living their normal lives, who are not addicted to drugs and alcohol, but who have pain or other types of health issues where CBD is something that they utilize on a regular basis to have that natural form of relief. It's not mind altering and it's something that uh, it helps their lives so they don't really want to not have to use it. So it's for those people, the average Joes, the everyday people that I'm fighting for here, the reason why I want to stand up and scream and go, wait a minute, because the attorney that I spoke with, remember he used to be a cop before he was an attorney, and he came from the mindset of really people who are intending to commit crimes, essentially, whereas I'm, and basically his thought was, well, if they know that some of the testing is faulty, then they might be more likely to drive under the influence, for example. Um, so, you know, because they'd have a better argument in the end. Well, that is truly a criminal, I'll say a career criminal, not necessarily a criminal mastermind, but a career criminal. If they're planning what they're going to do with their day based on how faulty uh, state police testing is in a crime lab. Uh, that's, I don't know. That's a whole nother follow wax, right? What I'm talking about, though, is not a career criminal, but like I said, the average Joe, the average soccer mom, the average businesswoman, the whoever, who is simply living their lives and using something natural, like you might use fish oil or, you know, CBD or rosemary oil or whatever, right? Those are the people that aren't intending to commit any crimes at all whatsoever no malice aforethought. They are simply living their lives, driving their kids around and brushing their teeth, doing their laundry, doing their remodeling projects, kicking the soccer ball around, soccer ball around with their kids. And if they are driving, you know, kid number three from school to soccer practice and they have a taillight out they did not know about, and they get pulled over for that reason, because I guess that cop has nothing better to do than check all these things in the moment. All of a sudden, it, you know, you can have that one bad cop, which unfortunately is turning into many bad cops, but you can have that one bad cop who's going to turn, uh, you know, generally informative stop into something it should not be. And then voila, you're tested and oh, now you're under the influence. Really? It's CBD. I'm really struggling with the probable cause officers have a lot of times when they even make these charges and then you end up having something like that because, okay, yeah, you shouldn't drive when you're under the influence of marijuana, but the, under the influence of CBD, really? 
that's like under the influence of seven gummy bears. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of sugar. It's not going to mess you up. You can drive. So let's see. I'm just going to check in with our crew. Are there any comments on any of the social media that I need to stop? Um, not necessarily, but I mean, it's it's just, I think CBD is as simple as, as replacing ibuprofen, which we know can tear the stomach up. And then we got Terry here showing a great example of how instead of opioids, CBD, I mean, look at the, the drastic difference of going from opioids to CBD shows you it doesn't, the opioids can be mind altering while the CBD isn't. And because of that, she's able to use that. And so if she were to go driving and get pulled over. Right. Right. So, <laughs> all right. So, and of course, you know, government these days, it's all about making you more dependent on the government, right? To meet your daily needs and uh, everything else. So oh, anyway, that's why, that's why I felt I needed to share this with you today. It's for people who would not otherwise, I don't even think about it. I honestly don't think about it, but I could tell you that if I was stopped, by one of these local cops here who I know don't really care to enforce the laws when they're supposed to, because we ended up in a situation when we moved down here where 26 crimes, including felonies, were being committed against us. And local PD was like, uh, oh, no, there's a civil case pending, so we can't do anything. No. So at any rate, I have zero respect for the the force down here that I was the, the people I've already specifically dealt with. So if they tried to pull me over and uh, claim some sort of vi whatever, if they tried to pull me over, they probably wouldn't even have a violation that they'd be claiming. Well, yeah, I guess I do have my magnets back on my car. So they would know who they're dealing with. But for a while, <laughs> I did not. And uh, I'd be instantly going, excuse me, what's your reason? I mean, that's I'm not antagonistic, but if they're asking for more than they need, I was once with a friend of mine, this is a little side story, but just something to tell you guys and assert your rights. I, Even though I was an, an attorney for a lot of years and I was a public defender in two different states, I didn't necessarily have all of the, you know, all of my rights off the top of my head, just just like most of you, right? Uh, I, I knew I had rights, but I was afraid I would get them wrong or say the wrong thing or or think of it in the wrong context and then I'd be screwed and I'd end up in a situation where I am in trouble and then be, being an attorney I can end up you know losing my career uh, and not able to care for my son and that kind of thing you know I was a single mom um, when I first opened my law practice so at any rate you know there's there's a lot riding on it especially when you're in a profession like that but that's the irony is I still didn't know all the specifics, like in the moment when it's you in that moment and, and the stakes are high. Right. So at any rate, at, at some point after Mike and I got together, uh, so this was, I think it was right before we got married. So this was, you know, probably 11 years ago, maybe a little after we got married, you know, 11 years ago. Anyway, I was in my friend Catherine's car, kind of funny, but she's my maid of honor. Anyway, in my friend Catherine's car, and we were driving on M20 from Midland uh, towards Lansing, Mount Pleasant, wherever we were going that way on M20. And we didn't get very far out. And she had a, a very, she had a beater car. She had a very old, you know, not, I mean, I think it was teal though. But anyway, it was old. So that's what we were driving. And we were all dressed up because the four of us were actually leaving all the kids at home. And, you know, we were having an adult's night out and this is going to be fun. So I think it might've even been eighties band night or something. So we're dressed like it's the eighties and we're going to party for the eighties. So yeah, I'm sure we couldn't be taken seriously, but anyway, this car is a little bit loud and it's like nine, not yet, probably nine 30 at night we're driving and <laughs> there was no reason to pull us over, but this cop pulled us over and then not only asked for her driver's license and registration, but asked for, everyone's licenses and Mike and I were in the back seat and I was like, uh, you will not get the rest of our driver's licenses because 
there's you haven't even established you have probable cause for a driving offense and a reason to pull over but you certainly have absolutely no cause to ask for my id i don't have to give you my id and he got into this argument with me and mike was like don't you know we're just trying to go have fun don't argue about it and i'm like no i i'm it's no fun for me to have to cave to some government bully because he thinks he has powers that he doesn't and he forgets the rights that I have that he swore an oath to protect. So at any rate, if that were me again, I mean, that was years ago before I really started being a mama bear about the constitution and our rights. If I got pulled over again, especially by those law enforcement officers down here that I've had experience with and don't have respect for because of what they've done personally, then yeah, uh, they, mm, it, it, we'll just move on from that. <laughs> but certainly if you're in the position more of where I was when I started out with my law practice and single mom, just trying to make ends meet and not, you know, you can't remember everything off the top of your head all the time. And, you know, you're just, you're just trying to do the right thing. You know, you see a cop and you're like, Oh crap, am I speeding or whatever. Right. Especially in, when I lived in Nowhereville, Minnesota, and it took hours to get from one community to another. Uh, yeah, where I was the one public defender assigned for an entire county to entire counties. I mean, come on, <laughs> that's a lot of driving. So yeah, sometimes you might speak. So at any rate, um, it's in those moments that you really need to know what your rights are and that's why it's so important so all that being said i spent that much time to just tell you how important it is today because we have so many other things we have a general election coming up you know florida just came off of its primary a week ago and at least one of my candidates won i think it was one mike if you can comment at all that'd be great because i'm getting real depressed thinking about it i think only one of my candidates won um but uh hey you know what it was the most local candidate so <clears throat> with that being said that's great so oh and this has nothing to do with what um i'm talking about today but we're going to leave that up Lori, until you find another one that needs to be shown so um okay sorry just trying to catch up on some comments there to see if there was something I needed to address. So um, that's why we're addressing it. We're going to go ahead and, of course, I have to press the right buttons to get us back in here. All right. So this is talking about what the prosecutor's duties are in a situation where we have today, where we have the Michigan Crime Lab, the state police for the whole state of Michigan, when you have a lab test for drugs in your system, or alcohol in your system and it goes there it's i mean that's for the whole state this isn't something that's impacting one county 83 counties in michigan and this is in the context of you know specifically a problem that's happening in michigan but quite frankly i don't know all the ins and outs of all the testing in other states but no matter what state you live in you might want to pay attention because your rights are going to be largely similar, especially um, exactly the same when it comes to the U.S. Constitution. But the problem of what this you know, is happening in Michigan right now, what's been finally disclosed, is actually something that I can't imagine the technology would be so much better in other states. There's probably similar situations. So, okay. Oh, that is sad. My husband confirmed that only one of our chosen candidates I don't think we got to vote for DeSantis, though. I don't think he had a challenge. I'm so confused. I don't think there was a challenger in that race, was there? I'm, I don't even remember. Anyway, so um, we are jumping right in. So the question being posed is when state police lab testing has potential credibility issues, potential, it's not necessarily confirmed that they get it wrong every single time. What duties do prosecutors have toward, well, not just toward defendants, toward each and every defendant who has that similar kind of, um, you know, a case involving that kind of testing. 
So like I said, this is real life stuff. It's, it's a notice that was sent out just Friday from a Michigan prosecuting attorney. And uh, these are current issues in our criminal justice system, but it really, it, it doesn't just impact criminal cases. It's the whole way of looking at it and what government is supposed to do, what government is allowed to do, and what we have the right to do. So again, explaining all of this from a constitutional perspective. Well, that's what we always do, right? So today's true or false, and I'm going to pull up a different screen on my other side here. Okay, so we're trying something new, and we're branching out and yet thinning down social media platforms. We're trying to make things more efficient, so we're not spending so much time doing the actual typing and posting and all that stuff, but more work on the actual substance and law and, and amicus brief drafting and and fighting it out in court and educating people in constitutional classes etc so as we move through that and it's been less than graceful i recognize that so hopefully you can give me uh some grace as as we do that but we have various places that you can participate in our wednesday or excuse me in our tuesday true or false question so for those of you who have not heard of some of these social media platforms, this is the list of places that at least for this week, you can go on and answer our social media uh, true or false question of the week. And um, if anybody, you know, if people are answering the questions on those social media platforms, we will continue to engage with you on each of those platforms. So there's a new one to me anyway, Band. It has millions of people already on it. It's super awesome. It has absolutely every feature you would want and more. Things that Twitter and Facebook and YouTube don't even have. It's like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Locals, LinkedIn, all rolled into one and more. It's got even more features than that. It's amazing. And it doesn't seem to bog anything down. There's a desktop app. There's a phone app. It's awesome. They even have Band for kids. So if you want to communicate with your little soccer team and you have a bunch of 10-year-olds, uh, it's anyway, it's cool. So band, um, we are sharing on Gab and LinkedIn, Locals, MeWe, Reddit, Telegram. We have a channel and a group. Our Truth Social accounts, we have two. We have one for Restore Freedom and one that's just mine. And um, Twitter on YouTube in our community area. And of course, on our website, on the updates page, you can click on the link there for answering our Tuesday true or false question of the week. And like I said, please make sure and pick at least one of your favorite platforms and just answer the one true or false question. It literally takes you less than 10 seconds. And uh, even the one that's through our website, it doesn't collect I think, yeah, no, no, it doesn't collect data or anything. You can't even provide any information to me other than answering true or false. It's super quick, but it helps me to gauge which social media platforms you guys prefer as well. So I'm meeting your needs and getting this important information out to you every week. So at any rate, with all that being said, our true or false question of the week, is it true or false to say that a prosecutor is required to inform each defendant of potential credibility issues with any testing results relevant to the offenses charged. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Uh, I was just it was just confirmed to me that there was no primary race for DeSantis. All right. So uh, the basics, these are things that probably will end up being talked about in most of our episodes because they are the basis for every constitutional issue that we have here. And I mean, I know there's stuff I forgot, but uh, this is just the, the recap, okay? Governments are instituted to protect our God-given liberties. So we get our rights from God, not the government. Government, on the other hand, has absolutely no rights, no rights at all. So anybody who's talked about the 10th Amendment as being states' rights, please go read it because you will find the word rights is not located in that part of the Constitution. Government has only those powers which we delegate to it. That would be 
uh, found in the 10th Amendment, but also in uh, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, which requires us to have, it guarantees us to have a Republican form of government. Of course, many other provisions that we're not going to talk about today. That was just the, the recap, the, the basics. So this means that government cannot act unless there is a specific power granted in or by the Constitution. The Constitution. There can't just be some administrative law or rule. There cannot be a state law. There cannot be a federal law that just grants a bunch of powers. Powers are not, the government can't grant government more power. We delegate rights. You know, I've never thought of it, demonstrating it this way, but I'm, I'm going to do so today. Okay. So if you think about, um, <laughs> if you've ever gone to law school, even in the first semester and first week, and you talk about property rights, like real property, like a, uh, well, really any kind of property, but you know, it's, um, usually talking about like a, a real estate, you know, piece of land, a house, that kind of thing. So uh, every professor that I've ever heard who's talking about property rights talks about it as like a bundle of sticks. Okay. I'm going to make me a little bit bigger on this. Okay. Bundle of sticks, right. Or colored pencils, but you have rights are a bundle of sticks. And when you give to somebody property okay i promise you this is relevant and it's hopefully a visual that will stick with you and help you remember these constitutional uh concepts as we go forward and talk about more than just what's on the menu for today so you have this this um you know if you own a property this is you know this is my house it has all of these things and what does this mean well when you own a property you have the right to, um, you know, to use it as you see fit right now. You have the right to, you know, share it in joint ownership with somebody else. You have the right to, uh, you know, use it during your life. I'll explain in a minute. Uh, you have the right to direct where it goes when you pass away. You have the right to grant easements or partial uses of your property. You have the right to lease it out or rent it out in some way for particular purposes. You have the right to use it for residential purposes. We're going to ignore zoning for a minute because that's a whole nother conversation. You have the right to use it for business purposes. You have the right to all the minerals, uh, you know, in the soil and whatnot. You have the right to the use of the waterways, you know, your river or pond or lake or whatever that's on your property. Uh, you have the right to access the larger public bodies of water that are adjoining your, you know, if you had beachfront property, uh, you know, you have the right to access the ocean because, you know, there you go. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but you have all of these rights, this whole bundle of sticks, as law school professors will say. And you can only give to somebody else or sell somebody else or, you know, delegate somebody else any rights that you have. So if I am giving Lori the right to use my property during her lifetime, it's a life estate. I'm giving this to Lori. She can use it. She doesn't own my property. She can't sell the whole thing. Uh, and maybe there's even other restrictions. All that she could do, that's the only thing she has. So she could turn around and give this or delegate this to somebody else. She could say, well, I want my son to be able to, um, you know, use this house, this beach house or whatever for the remainder of my life. You know, I'm, I'm stuck in um, a foreign country for my job and I'm never going to make it there. And I want my son to be able to access and use this property for the rest of my life. And then when my life is over, then his rights to that go back, you know, to the full estate and to the, the full owner. Okay. So that's the same with powers that the government is exercising. Okay. So we are given all of our rights from God and we have sovereign authority over ourselves. 
we come together to create a society where our rights are going to be protected from abuses from one another. Okay, so we have powers and we have rights. And we create government entities, we created them in, uh, you know, via the Constitution and your state constitution, right? And so each one is given, you know, you have the power of regulating commerce and you have the power of, I can't even think, um, I'm thinking of all the things that are not actual powers. Uh, ah! Anyway, um, the power to make treaties with foreign nations and whatever, okay? There's powers, but when a government agency, so those the only two examples I gave you for the government powers, when they turn around and, you know, let's say this is uh, the, the state government, when they turn around and go to their law enforcement agencies, right, they can delegate some of their power to other people in their own branch of government that are, in, you know, beneath them, basically in the hierarchy of things, okay? But they can only give them or lend them, delegate to them powers that they are allowed to have. So the state can give state government officials delegated powers that the, they have been delegated from we the people. The state cannot delegate to certain state agencies or state officials powers that the state was not granted in the first place. So hopefully that makes sense. Lori, how much on crack did I sound when I explained that? Did that, did that make <laughs> I, I thought it made sense. It, well, and it's kind of hard for me because a lot of more things make sense to me now <laughs> compared. So anybody speak up if you have any questions for sure. Yes. So, and I'm just looking at the time frame of some of these comments to see the context. Okay, so with that being said, we're gonna head back. Okay, so government is prohibited from doing anything that violates the US or state constitutions. So first we talked about the government can only act if it has been given the specific authority to act, right? If it has that particular power delegated to it, if it doesn't, then it can't act. But on top of that, there are other provisions of the constitution that specifically prohibit certain government actions entirely. And of course, every government official is sworn to the oath to uphold these constitutions. So, the constitutional oath of office, for those of you who might have been living under uh, a log for the last little bit here, uh, U.S. Constitution is Article 6, and the Michigan State Constitution is Article 11, Section 1, and Michigan State law, many, many, many places, but the best one to look at would be MCL 15.151. One reason? Super easy to remember, right? 15151. Anyway. Uh, but that one says, if you're in government at all, even volunteering, you have to take the constitutional oath. All right. So in the criminal context, so back to this whole, you know, there's testing, there's, there's bad lab results that are coming out and unreliable uh, lab results coming out from the state police lab where all these tests are done what rights might be implemented or um, impacted by those uh, issues? Well, equal protection. There could definitely be, be some equal protection issues. Uh, I, I personally don't know of different crime labs being utilized by government agencies, but who knows if, you know, if you have, uh, for example, um, especially let's say an easy example, let's just say it's, it's actually a federal case and there's some state charges and federal charges, so it's in federal court, right? And you have uh, somebody who literally lives right across the border from you, they're in Ohio and you're in Michigan, 
and you know you both are charged with the same thing but your lab results were done just hang in there with the hypothetical it's the best i could do short notice but your lab results were sent to the michigan state police crime lab and their results or you know their testing was sent to the ohio crime lab and um if it's the case that the Michigan crime lab is the only one that has this kind of a glitch in their system, then that's definitely an equal protection issue because the, you know, the other people that are in similar situations are being treated vastly different by the, uh, the different government counterparts. Due process, so that's going to be the biggest one. How don't think of due process as being complicated or even having tons more in there than what it is. Uh, but it is this due process. Just think logic, common sense. If the government doesn't have its own rights, if the government only has the powers that we have delegated to it and we don't get our rights from the government, we don't just answer to the government. The only thing that we should really be stopped from doing is if we are hurting uh, or impairing the rights of others, then anything that interferes with those main concepts is probably violating our right to due process. Now, you know, if, if I have it negatively impacted the rights of Lori because I have, you know, attacked her physically and harmed her, then I might have my right to life, liberty, or property impacted through the course of a criminal trial. But as long as I have that due process at every step along the way, I have the right to be, um, you know, no, have notice an opportunity to be heard and all of that entails. Well, then my right to due process in theory is still there. Um, we have the right to privacy from the government. Now, let's think about this, your Fourth Amendment right. I also have the Michigan State Constitution provisions on, on the screen as well. But when you have the right to, pri to privacy against government intrusions, unnecessary government intrusions, if, if they are taking a blood sample from you, well, anytime you do anything to the body, there is risk, right? I mean, even if it's generally not seen as that great, but I wouldn't want a state crime lab or whatever, a local hospital or whatever against my will drawing a blood sample from me uh, especially in the scenario where they're going to draw this blood sample to test my you know whatever is in my bloodstream knowing that the results aren't even reliable that there's some credibility issues so then they've that's that's really an unreasonable um seizure of you know a piece of my body um unreasonable searches and seizures though would definitely be impacted uh in this context Lori, am i making sense so far i'm gonna do a, a regular human check but you you are um it in what you were saying i gathered that they when they choose to do this testing they they gotta take care in doing so that they're not trying to test the person without that due process so they must have absolute you know i'll oh, see words aren't coming out good um <laughs> uh, just cause um yeah. in this case uh with this stuff you're driving and and obviously you're not a drunk driver but they've done done they've watched you drive and you're swerving around the road your reaction time you know after watching you is off and so they would have to have something that would justify the need for the test to begin with i guess is like that yeah if you were driving around and they thought you might be drunk or under the uh, influence of alcohol or some or of, of drugs um say two synonyms and call it two different options anyway so um yes they would have to have some sort of probable cause which is i guess what i was getting at initially when i said you know if they were to pull me over they'd definitely be explaining that probable cause or otherwise i'd be leaving um with their badge numbers and a uh, bunch of other information so okay i'm going to put this back on so we can continue then um so you also have rights in relating to criminal trials and now that's huge i really want you guys to emphasize 
the importance of your rights that are found in the Sixth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and also found in Article 1, Section 20 of the Michigan State Constitution. There's a plethora of constitutional rights relating to trial, criminal trial procedures, criminal case procedures that um, essentially then go into you getting due process. Those are more of the specific rights in that context. Um, but you also have, you know, of course, rights against cruel and unusual punishment and uh, no bill of attainder that wouldn't exactly be um, the most relevant here, but it could be, so I left it on there. So anyway, um, definitely read the Sixth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and parse out all the little pieces. And even if you're not in Michigan, go to Article 1, Section 20 of the Michigan State Constitution and read each of those sections because it like just read it out loud and take a pause every time that there's a semicolon, a comma, or a period. And really let that sink in what that segment was about because th those sections are just jam-packed of all kinds of rights that you have that could be, um, I keep wanting to say implemented, impacted here. Oh my goodness. So this is a recap screen I've used before and don't worry, it's super small and you most likely can't read it because many of you are watching on your phones or a tablet or small device, etc. But um, fear not, this information will be shared later on this week. But in, this is with Michigan, but it's just an example of the Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct, that there is a specific one for prosecutors, Rule 3.8, Special Responsibilities of Prosecutors. Again, this is something that we've talked about, but, you know, for example, a prosecutor in a criminal case shall not, or excuse me, shall refrain from prosecuting a charge that the prosecutor knows is not supported by probable cause. So, if you have a test result and that test result is the main reason that you believe this person was driving under the influence or doing whatever other uh, criminal activity that they couldn't be doing um, because of you know supposedly having THC in their system. Uh, but you know that these labs, the lab in which you know that gave you these test results has some serious credibility issues in being able to distinguish between THC that is illegal to have in your system during certain activities or CBD, which has no mind altering substance properties to it, then that creates a probable cause issue. Do you have probable cause then in that moment? If that's what you got, if that's your main evidence, then I would say absolutely not. Um, but you also have to look at some of the other things. The, the prosecutors have to make reasonable efforts to assure that the accused has been uh, advised of the rights to and the procedure for obtaining counsel and has been given reasonable opportunity to obtain counsel uh, to you know make sure you're not receiving as a prosecutor um, uh, somebody who's unrepresented that you're you know trying to get waivers out of them for their for their hearings. Um, to make timely disclosure to the defense of all evidence or information known to the prosecutor that tends to negate the guilt of the accused or mitigates the degree of the offense. That's huge. I'm going to repeat that again. It, and, and this is not just Michigan. This one is a Michigan specific. I'm quoting from the Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct. Rule 3.8 is specific to prosecutors, but the rules of professional conduct for attorneys are largely the same from every, you know, for every state, from state to state. So again, this is something that even if you're not in Michigan is likely to be something you'll find in the rules that your, uh, the attorneys in your state are bound by. But this is a prosecutor in a criminal case shall make timely disclosure to the defense so in every single case of all evidence or information, like, hey, the test results in this evidence might not be reliable, known to the prosecutor that tends to negate the guilt of the accused or mitigates the degree of the offense. That's huge in context with what we're talking about today. Um, let's see here. 
And I find this interesting. So I just wanted to reiterate, this is also a slide we've talked about uh, before. Uh, this is the official comment that it's mentioning that a prosecutor has the responsibility of a minister of justice and not simply that of an advocate. This responsibility carries with it specific obligations to see that the defendant is accorded procedural justice and that guilt is decided upon the basis of sufficient evidence. I think that's very relevant to testing reliability issues. So <clears throat> at, uh, at any rate, uh, those are some things that I wanted to um, bring back up. Uh, there's some additional things. Um, I don't, I'm not sure, let's see, was there something in particular? Um, yeah, I mean, the, that latter paragraph on there is something. I, th I think you should read this when we release the slides later, just as a memory refresh. Um, probably it'll be released in our uh, Constitution segment recap, but it's not the main aspects that I was focusing on today. So, <clears throat> and um, there's also uh, another portion of the Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct for um, attorneys that uh, this is for prosecutors that um, as does rule 3.8, this rule in certain situations impose upon a prosecutor an obligation to make reasonable efforts to assure that a defendant's rights are protected. Again, you can't just look at a prosecutor as being the attorney for the state or the attorney for the government. That is what they claim, but their first job is actually to serve as the the attorney in the case, the first attorney before uh, a defendant has even had a chance to really know about the charges or seek counsel. And so from that moment, from the moment the case is started forward, that prosecutor's job is to make sure that justice is done in the case, not to get convictions, but to make sure you're getting to the just result, which includes that a defendant's uh, rights, their procedural rights are protected throughout the whole process. That's huge. Most attorneys, prosecutors so, don't even think of that. So let's say that this fresh, you know, wet behind the ears cop um, pulls somebody over. He, he is feeling, you know, he's not to harm the person specifically, but he's like, oh, they, they seem impaired. Um, and they go ahead and process them and, and have them tested. And then the prosecutor gets the paperwork and says, he didn't even really have, you know, from watching the video or whatever, um, he didn't even really, you know, he crossed the line once, but that, you know, sometimes we cross the line, you know, a little bit, but otherwise the driving was fine or whatever. It's at that point, the prosecutor should take that step back and be like, you didn't do a roadside test. You didn't, you know, whatever that entails. Um, I, I think we're going to have to let this one go and, and, you know, if, if they, if they're concerned that the person may have been, but there wasn't, um, possibly, you know, all that they could maybe talk to them and be like, this is why this happened. Or, you know, I'm just asking, I guess, really more than. Yes. That's actually the obligation, not just something that a prosecutor might do in that situation. That is what the prosecutor is legally, constitutionally and rule bound required to do in that situation. And a perfect example is none other than my Allegan County case, because we're going to pretend for a minute that the prosecutor was not on the phone with the sheriff's department that day instigating the arrest. We're going to pretend for a minute that wasn't the case. We're going to pretend instead that they, uh, the sheriff's department filed the complaint through the normal, you know, process that brings it into the system where the prosecutor, uh, there's nothing normal about that case, but anyway, where the prosecutor really doesn't see it until after it's officially been filed. And basically a prosecutor probably wouldn't touch it until right before the pretrial conference, um, maybe at arraignment, but um, they're probably really not looking at it until they're at pretrial conference time. And so they're reading the police report or maybe watching the video. And in my case, for example, maybe initially they thought, okay, well, we know that trespassing, criminal trespassing is a thing. 
And it says, you know, asked to leave many times. Okay, so this defendant was on property and they were asked to leave many times and they didn't. So yeah, that means the the basics for for criminal trespassing. But of course, that's just a first look. That's something, you know, that a fifth grader could do. What they need to do is go beyond that and go, so what really happened? Who owned the property? Who told them to leave? And did this person otherwise have legal authority to be there? And they would have seen, oh, this wasn't private property. Um, this wasn't property that was closed to the public in some way. It was publicly owned and publicly accessible during publicly open business hours. And this person was serving as a, a government official in the course of her duties. So, uh, yeah, there's like 17 reasons why this doesn't meet the probable cause standard. I can't pursue this case. So while it seemed appropriate on the surface, I have a duty to dismiss it. That's exactly what should have happened in my case. But at any rate, hey, Jane, nice to see you on here today. Um, so, okay, I'm going to bring us back to the slides. So again, uh, we talked about the, the, the rights of um, specifically criminal defendants. And then we talked about, again, this is just a recap of things that we've talked about actually in prior episodes, but it's specific to the concern that we're talking about today. So criminal defendants rights, we have the right to equal protection, the right, uh, your due process rights, rights to privacy against government intrusion, rights uh, that are specific in criminal trial situations, rights against cruel and unusual punishments. And those, those rights in mind, the question is then, is every single judge and every single prosecutor really required to ensure that all of those rights are protected? Yes, yes, they are. I don't care if the judge or the prosecutor tell you, no, that's not their job. That's, that's, your, that's your counsel's job. That's your attorney's job. Uh, duh, no. Because you as a judge or you as a prosecutor took a constitutional oath of office. Again, that's showing the um, places where that's required. And if you didn't take the oath, that's a whole nother episode. Uh, that's a video we've definitely done before. You are not legally or constitutionally serving in that office and it is actually considered vacant, just FYI. So another thing though, is that especially in this context, we have to remember, we cannot forget that an attorney has a duty to protect and inform the public. That's just an attorney. So a prosecutor is not just a prosecutor. That's that extra layer of what they do. Uh, but they're first an attorney and they have a duty to inform the public. That's actually our job as attorneys. That's why I do what I do. So uh, they definitely needed to disclose this information. I would argue that this particular prosecutor was on the right path and he was doing this and sending that out before. Um, let me just put it this way. Other emails or letters or listservs or things could have been sending this information out. But as far as I've heard, he's actually the only one that sent an email out like this to defense counsel. But the thing is, it was sent to a listserv. So it was sent to a certain group of attorneys. What about all the defendants that represent themselves? What about those who have attorneys that aren't on that listserv? It's a Google listserv. Not every attorney that practices there is, is a recipient. I will say he actually sent it to the old version of that particular bar association's listserv. And so uh, the person managing the new listserv forwarded it on to the newer list. And many of the same attorneys were on it, but that just kind of goes to show you that can't be the only place that this kind of important exculpatory information uh, would need to be shared. So true or false, a prosecutor is required to inform each defendant of potential credibility issues with any testing results relevant to the offense charged. I'm hoping that some of you are going to pop up and say true or false. Um, I'm also hoping that you decided to take me up on that opportunity on all those various social media platforms to fill out the true or false question survey that takes all of 10 seconds. Um, but thank you. Thank you on Facebook. 
Um, the answer is true. The various constitutional protections for the accused require possible faulty testing. It doesn't have to be certain that it's faulty testing, but if there's a there's a likely a likelihood or possibility of faulty testing, that has to be disclosed to the accused in a timely manner and most likely not even used against the accused at all. And so if that is the main basis for supporting the charges, then the charges would have to be dropped. Thank you, Hammer Lane, Susan, and Barbara on Facebook, you guys all got it correct. Um, there we go. It wasn't going to the next slide. So if you want more information on this, I invite you to check out our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge, which of course will be tomorrow on Wednesday. Our Constitution segment recap that will be on Thursday. Our Freedom Fighting Tools, which are on Friday. And of course, our segments that come out on Saturday and Sunday. So keep in mind that the more you interact with us on those social media platforms of your choice with these, the more we know to stick to those platforms in bringing you this information or bringing you these ways to get involved and, and that kind of thing. And uh, interacting on specific ones lets us know that you get some benefit out of it. So if you like getting the freedom fighting tools on Friday, please interact with that, share it, like it, comment on it. Uh, let us know that those are resources that you receive benefit from because you know what? We're, we do all this work for free. There's nobody paying us. I don't have sponsors at this point. Although if you are interested in being a sponsor of any of our segments, or weekly episodes or anything of that nature, please reach out to us, contact at restorefreedomkh.com. We would love to have you sponsor uh, some of our segments. But at any rate, we want to make sure to continue to get this information out to you as we have to work together in this fight for freedom. I can't do my own thing in my own little segment of the country and you can't just do yours in your little area. We have to work together. It has to be a symbiotic process where we're fighting for our rights. So with that being said, it's again, super hot in my office. I have no idea how hot it is outside, but I feel like I'm melting. Uh, I would ask for those of you who are believers, if you could pray for me, uh, it turns out that my jellyfish sting was most likely not jellyfish, but a man of war. And that those can be deadly. And I, I think given the circumstances, now that we have more information about what happened, because I couldn't see it exactly when it happened, it was stuck in seaweed and everything else like that. Um, I, I There's a good chance I actually could have died from this, but my leg, this is a week and a half ago now, and my leg looks far worse. It looks like somebody threw scalding water on me and more. Um, it, it's far worse than what it was, uh, well, in the first week and a half. So. I'd ask for your prayers for healing on that. I need to be able to focus and get, you know, working on all these other freedom fighting projects and getting our website up and running and all these other new social media tools. And of course, we still have the constitution course that we're trying to put together. So um, yeah, the Liberty cause. Yes, I still would value having additional source of cool air uh, and the other things that we talked about, but uh, it's, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if people just don't take me seriously or not, but when I say that I run ragged and go 24 hours a day, and from the moment I wake up, I'm working on this stuff to the moment I'm falling asleep and posting, hopefully not in my sleep, uh, if you see any strange posts, that's probably what happened. Uh, then yeah, that's actually, I mean, 24, it's 24 hours a day, basically. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be better about taking breaks and things like that, but we have so much going on right now but it's hard. So at any rate, um, oregano oil. Okay. Lori, can you help me remember? Or Mike, if you are listening, please try to help me remember that oregano oil, because I know I have 75 things to do the second that we hit the end broadcast <laughs> button. And that's probably not going to stay at the top of my brain, but, um, thank you slightly Stacy. I appreciate that, um, as, as well. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, if you like the work that we are doing, you can help so many ways to keep this going, to keep the, the constitutional education going, to keep the legal brief writing going, to keep 
me arguing <clears throat> in high courts, the US Supreme Court, state high courts, whatever, to fight for our freedoms. If you want me to keep doing this as much as humanly possible to make as big of an impact as possible, hit the like button, hit the share button, hit on you know YouTube, hit the subscribe button, or if you're seeing it on Rumble or any of the other social media platforms, hit the like button or, or follow on all of our social media platforms. Uh, find us everywhere. We have many more this week than we even did last week. But let us know what you think we're doing right and which things you get the most value from as well so we can continue to go in that direction. Of course, please consider financially donating, even if it's five dollars a one-time donation of five dollars maybe you're somebody who can afford a, a 200 dollars monthly donation all the options uh between there and beyond are on our website uh i have it, the website the donation page looks ugly i i realize that but i'm doing the coding so bear with me i'm hoping actually in the next two days that it might look a little bit better but uh there's different options for different things to donate to me personally to help, you know, I have student loans and that kind of thing to help Lori for doing what she does every day, uh, for specifically getting this show going, for getting our newsletters out, which we're still getting our weekly newsletter out this week, I promise. Uh, so please consider helping. Uh, pray for us. Tell people about us. Just tell everyone you know to Google Restore Freedom. Uh, I, I met a politician recently who didn't believe me and uh, he's constitution-minded, not just a typical politician, but he didn't believe me that he could, you know, just Google this random person and, and, and you know, Google restore freedom and that I would show up because that sounds like a really cool thing, right? Restore freedom. Lo and behold, he does it or duck, duck, go or whatever his chosen platform was. He does that. And the look on his face was priceless as he was like, what? That's you. Yeah. So it's really easy. I've worked very hard at branding so that people can find freedom. People can find the tools to restore freedom here in our country. So it's as simple as that, people. Just tell them, spread the word. You can also get one of our um, car magnets, door magnets, uh, those window decals. They have the QR code. So you could be driving around or if you have a business that people come to on a regular basis, people could scan that QR code. It'll take them right to our website. So uh, lots of ways that you can help and get involved. But of course, please keep joining us every Tuesday at noon uh, for our full episodes of Restore Freedom Weekly. And again, we appreciate you so much. I'm constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry. Laura, you get to come up with your own um... sidekick <laughs> title. <laughs> so for today, she is constitutional sidekick. Uh, Lori, and we um, we look forward to seeing you next time, and uh, we hope you. Yes, I did try Epsom salts, Barbara, and so far that's been helping, but not. Uh, if you saw my leg, it's kind of ugly, so I, I might need some more help. But thank you so far for the suggestions. All right, guys. Um, oh, and my husband said he's getting something on the way on the way home. I guess maybe the oregano oil. I don't know. All right, thanks so much. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>